Hello there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Welcome to Secrets of Organ Playing podcast number 116. Today is Sunday, October 15, 2017. And today's guest is... Uh, Kale Toivio, who is a Finnish classical virtuoso concert pianist and organist. He has graduated from Sibelius Academy with Master of Music and also has degree in church music. Kale Toivio received Master of Music degree in organ performance from the Manhattan School of Music in May of 2010. Kale has performed in many international music festivals and on concert tours in Finland, Japan, USA, Belgium, Romania, and many other countries. He has performed in TV and radio in Finland, England, Belgium, among others. As an organist, he has performed in Finland and the USA. Kalle is the music chair of the Finlandia Foundation, New York Metropolitan Chapter. Kalle is especially interested in uh, church music, early music, and of course, organ improvisation. So in this conversation, Kalle shares his insights about organ improvisation and the great McNeil Robinson tradition. Let's go to the show. So Kalle, I'm so delighted that we're having this conversation, finally after some delays. Great pleasure. (laughs) But uh, I hope you have uh, recovered from your long transatlantic flight and your wonderful improvisational tour. We're sure to talk about it because our listeners around the world from 89 countries will be delighted to know your improvisational adventures you had in Finland. Thank you so much, Kalle, and welcome to My the pleasure. show. My pleasure. Great honor. So, Kalle, you. Uh, are you... Uh, have you enjoyed this trip recently uh, you made uh, to Finland? Can you talk a little bit who inspired and uh, how it all began? Uh, the tri- uh, this specific uh, trip to Finland, well, first of all, I haven't been to Finland for a few years. And uh, I was planning to go to Finland anyway this summer to uh, spend some time with my family. But then this uh, uh, earlier this uh, January, I... Uh, my very good friend, uh, uh, Dr. Niklas Pocki, who is the artistic director of the Manta Music Festival, invited me to uh, perform there at the Manta Music Festival in Finland. It's a very uh, famous uh, piano festival. Right. And it also has some organ music there. Uh, but every year there's uh, one organist who is uh, performing some concerts. And uh, I had played there many, many years ago and uh, he invited me to uh, he invited me to uh, come to perform. So, uh, what uh, he specifically wanted me to do was to play two uh, concerts and an art mass on the wow. themes that of my own choosing, and I I planned the liturgy and everything. Yeah, so that was the idea, and then I, of course, since I. Uh, love to improvise, I suggested uh, that in one of the concerts uh, I would improvise a four-movement symphony on themes composed by uh, a great Finnish composer Eero Hämeenniemi. And he was very happy to oblige me with the themes, which he uh, I got delivered in an envelope, which I opened two days prior to the performance. So. Wow, that's real adventure, right? It's yeah, like competition. Yeah. Sometimes in, in improvisation competitions, the judges give you the theme or submitted themes uh, maybe 15 uh, minutes before the performance, and you only have to uh, look for a short period of time. And even they don't give you a keyboard, just a way of from the keyboard. Uh, could you Could you practice on the organ during that time, or was it silent table? Uh, actually, yes, I did have time to practice with the organ, but as usually the case, all my time went to uh, make registration. <laughs> the time that I had to, went to making uh, registrations, 
for the different pieces. For instance, one of the pieces I played was uh, Jean Zibelius' Finlandia, the transcription uh-huh. of it, and it has uh, one billion registration changes all the time because it's the the orchestration is so uh, exciting there. So it's uh, the organ transcription has is full of uh, registrational changes. So basically, all my time went to. Uh, those kinds of things and practicing the repertoire. So I was mainly actually working the improvisations on paper and in my head. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to play a little bit, but it's sometimes I, you know, I think it's uh, even better to uh, not to try to practice the improvisations too much, except on maybe write something on some ideas on paper, like the form or uh, different motives or what to pick up from the themes and, and stuff. And I think that's sometimes even more productive than actually trying to pra- practice. Uh, it, it's quite dangerous to get the themes too early. Right. Uh, because you tend to memorize yeah. things, right? Uh, sometimes yeah. it's dangerous. Uh, yeah, it becomes too much like a, almost like a composed piece, even though the ideal should be as close to, I mean, improvisation in a way is composition. Uh, yes, of course, and 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 should aim at uh, higher and higher perfection, but uh, also it if you put too much uh, sandpaper on on it, then it might become a little bit stale and not so exciting. Uh, and uh, maybe the best ideas, uh, uh, as worked and thought before, might occur during the performance as well. Well, very interesting and fascinating idea, Kalle, uh, because you said that uh, improvisation is also a composition, right? It's only yes. performed at the moment of uh, creation, right? Exactly. Um, um, and um, it's interesting about your procedure. Could you talk a little bit? Uh, do you, for example, in this case, in this four-moment uh, symphony, did you have a plan in your head before get, getting the themes or after seeing the themes, the plan was born? Yes, the, uh, indeed. I had some kind of uh, um, idea. Usually, uh, the, for, of course, the first moment I, I wanted to do a Sonata Allegro, uh-huh. uh, which has two, two themes and, and all the procedures, the development and then recap and all the uh, necessary procedures to how to deal with the themes and uh, I also wanted to do uh, one one fugue at, at some at some point one one of the movements or part of the movements and then of course the last moment I had some kind of thought of making it uh, into some kind of toccata or depending it always depends on the material what what the form would be but I indeed I, I had some kind of uh, Thought, I thought about the form a little bit before, and then it's sort of just taking the little pieces and putting it, fitting them in. And sometimes when the material uh, doesn't uh, bend itself to certain preconceived form, then I will, of course, adapt and uh, change. And actually that happened to me uh, in this uh, performance because I, I, was, uh, I really thought through actually the first moment and uh, like very th- thoroughly, but then I, uh, 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 to the last minute, I was scribbling down some of the uh, uh, f- fugue themes that I, or motifs that I used in my uh, uh, fugue, and I hadn't actually planned uh, it uh, too much, but I ended up doing the slow movement was a, a sort of longish uh, fugue. And uh, they are the only only things that I did. I picked up from the material the ones that I used for the theme and 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 uh, which uh, the expositions where they where they appear. And after that, as fugue is quite free after a certain certain point and certain procedures. But uh, I initially thought of doing like a scherzo fugue, but then uh, the material was uh, more suitable for to do it in the slow movement. So things things like this. It, it it always depends on the material, but uh-huh. the form there as as the underlying sort of thought before before starting. But the material usually also uh, creates the form or in, influences. 
Uh-huh. Very fascinating uh, idea, Kalle. Uh, usually when we hear people improvise in public spontaneously um, on the given submitted themes, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's a tradition to, for a listener to give certain themes, suggestions, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe written down theme, maybe like yeah. a text, maybe uh, like a feeling or only mood, mm-hmm. right? or something like that, and then performer is free to combine those themes or select a few or dismiss a few, uh, basically create his own or her own um, structure out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But this, in your case, was Mm. very famous living composer from Finland, Mm -hmm. uh, wrote down the themes in uh, coherent themes, like like a... combination of themes that would work together probably right in canon in polyphonic uh, uh, structures too so i guess your performance uh, was a little bit different than than show that uh, normal uh, improvisers would do out of uh, submitted themes from the public right uh, yes i mean it was that was uh, the the two day uh, period that's actually the uh, why i did it this way because that's uh, i'm one of the finalists at the american guild of organists uh, national competition in organ improvisation one of the requirements is a four movement symphony on submitted themes that are given two days prior so this was sort of like practicing uh-huh. to that concept and thank god i have one more year to <laughs> to to um to prepare and practice but um Indeed, I actually uh, uh, also had the experience that you were just describing about submitted themes. There was a Finland chapter of the American Guild of Organists. Uh, first major event took place also during my stay in Finland. Yes. And it was prior to this Manta Festival. And there I had people submitting me themes on the spot. And then I created uh, from there. It's, it's a little bit different, different situation and um but basically the same uh, concept the material the, given the material you sort of already make some kind of uh, decisions but uh sometimes it's just best to, best to put the music uh, to the rack and just uh, let uh, uh, let go and try to be as disciplined as possible uh-huh. but uh i think that uh, that kind of improvisation if of course is the most uh, exciting and uh, scary at the same time because you never know what material you will get and if it will uh, f- fit to any anything that you might be thinking at the time or something but uh, usually it's uh, the spontaneous situation which by the way always occurs in um, liturgical music when you are playing a mass anything can happen or you need to spend the spend the time when the priest is doing something during offertory or the something pro- you need to prolong and still that it needs to sound good and logical and not like a bunch of gibberish coming yes. from the organ. So in that sense, uh, I, I uh, also enjoy very much the spontaneous uh, improvisation on uh, submitted themes on the spot. Uh-huh. How would you describe your style? Do you have some influences from outside, from other national schools, maybe from Finland, maybe from uh, France, um, Netherlands, Germany, America, maybe multinational colorful style you created that has become your personal style? How would you describe it? Uh, that's a good uh, question. Uh, my teacher, McNeil Robinson, of course, was very much influenced by Marcel Dupre and the, and the French school. And, and, uh, and also his uh, uh, subsequent, uh, subsequent studies of uh, set, lo- he studied a lot of set theory and wrote a lot of music based on certain systems. And also the Hindemith system, the different court uh-huh. Uh, progressions and others so uh, i of course i i'm very much influenced by my my late uh, professor because i studied with him so many years uh, but i would uh, if i would uh, um say what what influences me it's i always have um, uh, this desire and uh, ambition to try to make the improvisation as uh, linear as possible so for instance if uh, if i would say 
let, let's say that if it depends on the style what, we're, what I'm trying to improvise in. If it's just free improvisation, then it's probably I'm very much influenced by uh, harmonies of Dorofle or or the texture of Messian or or mm-hmm. some of the things that Bartok did, for instance, very mm-hmm. interesting in the, in the linear way he used motives and other other things and uh, and. Uh, if in speaking of 12 tone, the possibilities of re- retrograde inversions and taking little motives and using them vertically and horizontally and as a harmonic background, as a melody. And it, it, it it's hard to say what, what style, but I, I guess it's uh, comes to sound some kind of uh, messianisk uh, Bartok neoclassical uh, uh, Model or, or or something. I I wouldn't know what uh, exactly unless it's like if I'm making uh, something in Baroque style or or medieval or Renaissance style when it's more more specific. So I I would say uh, maybe the biggest influences for me Hindemith, Bartok, Dorofle, Messian. And uh, of course, Vierne and and uh, the other uh, other other greats. Not trying to compare myself, of course, to them, but uh, a, a lot of the repertoire that I have played and a lot of the music that I listen to is influences. It 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 varies. It usually is the same thing that you mentioned. At first, uh, we sort of tried to borrow ideas from the great masters, mm-hmm. right? And we, mm-hmm. we play their music and look and study their music and. Mm-hmm. Try to uh, incorporate their ideas into our pieces and creations, mm-hmm. written down sometimes, sometimes improvised spontaneously. Mm-hmm. But then, if you do it long enough, it suddenly mm-hmm. becomes less important because you start to mm-hmm. develop your own personal touch and feeling and you want to express ideas through your mm-hmm. own language right which by the way changes every every time perhaps yeah. you want to be stuck with one co- concept right you don't want to be um, remembered just for one thing right you want to constantly evolve as an exactly. artist mm-hmm. yeah precisely and that's actually something it's uh, uh, sometimes very funny and uh, refreshing to think that when i'm uh, have done something that that has worked, then I try to do it again, or try that. Then it says, okay, this starts to feel a little bit stale. I need to revitalize myself. How can I challenge myself to do something different, to do something better, and and uh, uh, use use the material better? And 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 I guess it's a constant evolution. And of course, uh, dependent on a lot of the uh, music I listen to or. Or uh, or f- f- uh, focus on, mm-hmm. and it's it really it really helps. And if I, for instance, if I feel that I'm uh, not getting anywhere, I, what I usually do, I just listen listen to a lot of uh, different different kind of music, and even play play a lot of uh, repertoire. For instance, on piano or something, just sight read something and look exactly. at, uh, and especially the smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of preludes and Bartok microcosmos, and uh, yeah. for instance, late preludes of Scriabin or or or, or uh, thing, things like that. And it's actually usually in the smaller pieces that the composers have a lot of gems because they are more more packed, packed with exactly. more tight. So those are the kind of uh, sources of inspiration. So, Kalle, when you say you have dried uh, uh, out of uh, fantasy, right? You stuck mm-hmm. in one mode and you want to discover something new, but you still keep practicing, right? Mm-hmm. You you don't say, "Oh, I'm not in the mood. I have no inspiration today, so I better skip practice." No, 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 no. You don't. No, no, no. You, it's it's that's the worst thing to do because then then. Uh, there is no such thing that you uh, that you could. Uh, who was the composer? There's one very famous American composer who said that you you just don't write when you are inspired. That the inspiration finds you. Mm-hmm. That's why you need to keep doing. And that's exactly when you get uh, one gets stuck on something. You just have to keep going, and somehow there's that something that will again light up the fire. But it's actually the process that that creates that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I, you can't fall into the golden pond. Uh, every every time, 
with writers uh, who, who who write novels, it's the same process, right? They write, write, write every day, and sometimes they get stuck. Mm-hmm. And one particular mm-hmm. writer, Somerset, I think, Som- Somerset's mm-hmm. mom, uh, said that when somebody asks you if he writes uh, only when inspiration strikes, or uh, just regularly. He said, I only uh, write only when inspiration strikes me. Luckily, mm-hmm. it always is 9 a.m. <laughs> in the morning, you see. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, that's, this very, that's very lucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah. By, by the speaking of uh, this uh, very disciplinedly scheduled people, Stravinsky, mm-hmm. who was also, uh, I could list as a... Uh, major influence on, on the compositional thought and, and the way, way he uh, used very uh, intervals and rhythm. Um, uh, he said to, uh, actually said to my teacher, McNeil Robinson, uh, he uh, met him in the 60s, that a certain uh, musical composition actually uh, becomes what, what it has to become. When you, when you try every possible every possible uh, approach, and in the end, uh, it will become only what it's uh, what it's supposed to be. If you understand mm-hmm. what I mean, that it's you go through every possible option, and then it finally becomes crystallized when you have exhausted everything else. And he, as uh, as we know, he composed at the specific hours of the day, like he had I don't know three four hours in the morning something that he every day used at the same time. And mm-hmm. I don't know how inspired he was every time, but he managed to write very nice nice music. So I suppose he was inspired quite frequently. You're right. You're absolutely right, Kalle. Um, because sometimes when we improvise for a long time, uh, weeks, uh, weeks at a time, uh, we feel that we don't get anywhere, right? It, we're sort of yeah. going in circles, but yeah. we don't. Because it's like in science, uh, discovery, right? Uh, scientists, mm-hmm. if they do discoveries, uh, they try to solve some puzzles, uh, uh, and uh, and it's difficult, it's challenging. They they have to think outside the box, right? But it's dark outside the box. They haven't been outside yeah. the box, but they they do it mm-hmm. anyway, step by step, and suddenly something clicks, and this breakthrough mm-hmm. begins, right? Only when yeah. we are at the at the organ bench, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, nothing comes uh, unless you you try to try to reach for it, and it's uh, sometimes can be very sinuous, difficult, difficult road, or days, or hours, or even weeks sometimes. But it's mm-hmm. always something goes to subconscious, and since you are consciously working on something, even if it doesn't feel, but you're absolutely right. That's how it. That's how the process goes. Even if you don't feel the progress, uh, if you still continue to practice, right? Other people might feel, right? When you perform Mm -hmm. in public uh, a few performances in a row and somebody comes up to you and says, oh, Kale, this time you were different. And you say, Mm -hmm. how different? I felt like like normal every day. But uh, Mm -hmm. they would they could list several things that that would be different but you didn't know because you you, you were inside the music right and exactly. you were too close too close to the process only from the hindsight uh, from the perspective you can discover oh that was a nice idea i could use it again i could write it down maybe a piece composition and mm-hmm. things like that from the spontaneous exactly. performance could be developed Wonderful. Uh, this discussion is so inspiring. Thank you so much, Kale. Let's continue. Uh, you mentioned uh-huh. uh, your um, inspiration and influences. How about going back in time? Do you remember when you first started improvising and uh, fell in love with this process? Who inspired you and when? Could you share the story with us? Sure. Uh, actually, the, when I discovered that I can improvise at all in i mean i had always uh, played uh, as i'm also i'm a pianist and i was mm-hmm. a pianist uh, before i started to play organ i'm still still play uh, play concerts on the piano as well yes but it was when i started studying church music at the sibelius academy 
Uh-huh. Um, it was 2005. I had already finished my master's degree in piano at the Sibelius Academy the previous year, and I wanted to do something more to develop my musicianship further. And it was there when I studied the uh, the, the basics of improvisation, liturgical improvisation, of course, first hymn playing and other things. And then I uh, gained more confidence uh, uh, through it, and I discovered that actually I... I, I can. This is a, a form of expression that I can excel at. I, I really started enjoying it. All the little, little things like taking a little line and then using it creatively and and doing it in different different ways, and uh, that's how it started. And of course, uh, we had very nice versatile uh, studies there, and very very great teachers. I could name. Uh, Timo Kiskinen, who is now currently the professor of church music uh, at the Sibelius Academy, uh, was very, very influential. Uh, so he taught me liturgical playing uh, yes. and uh, liturgical music and composed uh, arrange, arrangement and just showed different possibilities of uh, liturgical improvisation. And then my improvisation teacher, Ekka Suikkanen, who was mm-hmm. absolutely excellent uh, and is is still teaches at the Sibelius Academy is absolutely excellent teacher in organ improvisation and very very uh, clear and very precise and and was just just perfect and and what happened was that the last summer before I moved to America in 2008 I was uh, a substitute in a, a, the parish of Uvascula mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the biggest parishes uh, uh, in Finland, yes. and there were many, many churches that I had to cover and play services and masses and weddings and all sorts of things. And there, just uh, I thought that okay, I I've been studying these things and and I thought that if I I won't be able to play a new piece every time I go so because there was just not enough time to uh, to to practice. Constantly. Of course, I had played my repertoire, so, but I thought that, okay, I'm going to start try improvising. And it was actually there, that one month that I spent in June, July of 2008, uh, that it really clicked that I actually under, uh, understood that th- this is something that I can, I can, I can do. And I, I, it like, feels like my uh, native language for me as mm-hmm. an expression, as a musician. And ever since well, when I moved to the States and then uh, ever since in my uh, subsequent uh, positions as organist or director of music, I've been uh, improvising. Uh, basically, every every literally every Sunday, at least some element. If not always, I played, of course, and I play, of course, a lot of repertoire. But uh, there is some kind of improvisational element every time when I sit at the organ bench to play a service or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that's that has really. Um, uh, really been vital, and I actually encourage everybody who have the opportunity uh, to to pl- who have a regular church gig to just to sometimes play a prelude or postlude and just try things. Mm-hmm. And uh, the beauty about improvisation is that there is no wrong <laughs> wrong kind in quotes uh, wrong kind kind of playing. Of course, you can get better, and you can play more exciting and more interesting but there's always the improvisation is your piece basically the one mm-hmm. who's, who's playing so uh, that that has uh, built good confidence in, in in me and then later when I started to get deeper into the more specific uh, compositional details of, of, of uh, more challenging forms and 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 a more sophisticated use of uh, the material uh, it has evolved of course but that basically the 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 thing that's just going at it uh, mm-hmm. without any any uh, hesitation or thinking that i i can't do it or i'm too shy or i'm not good enough or this or that so i think that has been very very vital so i would say those that first period 2005 to 2008 when i made my bachelor's yeah. uh, in church music later masters but that's uh, that period and then the summer that I started uh, using these skills and then just trying out different things mm-hmm. uh, that was very very 
uh, a pivotal. Great story, Kalle. And did you have some fear when you first improvised in public in church, or was it so natural and relaxed feeling? Uh, in church, it, I must say that it was always uh, natural. But the first time when I was really, when I played in con when I improvised in concert, that there was actually in the program it says improvisation uh -huh. and on. Yes. That was the, the when I was a little bit scared because it's it's uh, something. Uh, it it just feels heavier the the gravity of the moment or something that I'm responsible to to produce something decent. And of course, in a liturgical setting, it's sort of flowing situation. So it, uh, you are more free in that sense. You are not the focus of the full attention necessarily. Yes. When you um, play in public, uh, Kalle, uh, you feel some risks involved, right? That if you make a mistake, oh, skies will open up and Marcel Dupre with Maurice Duruflet will strike you with some, uh, some, some organ pipes from the heaven, right? For your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think that's probably often the case. <laughs> or, or McNeil Robinson, for example, right? Oh, Who's yes, no yes. Uh, who, who is no longer with us, sadly, right? Yes, who passed away yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago. Could yeah. you t uh, tell us a little bit how how important was he was was he to you, and to, what did you learn from uh, Mr. Robinson? Oh Lord, where do I begin? He he's uh, uh, probably the most influential person uh, in my musical development. There's two people who are most Influential. I mean, I could name a lot of people, but two people uh, who have been very uh, mo most probably most important and influential in my musical development. The other one is Nina Svetlanova, with whom I still study piano. Mm -hmm. I, I take lessons from her. She's an absolutely wonderful, phenomenal teacher, and then of course the great late McNeil Robinson, with whom I studied for more than seven years and. Several, some of that time, I almost spent every day with him during during the school year because I practiced in. He let me practice in his church, which was very nice of him. Uh, it is a beautiful organ at the Holy Trinity uh, Catholic Church in Roman Catholic Church in New York City. And uh, he always, besides his the actual lessons and teaching, uh, every time I met him, he gave some piece of information or some inspiration or some gem that, oh, look at this or, or uh, what, uh, what do you think about that? Then you should check this, uh, this source. And the, he was like a walking encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. And uh, quite a, I don't know if you met him. Uh, did you have a chance to meet him personally ever? Not in person, but he was a legendary character. I, <laughs> I'll tell you a short story. Uh, he was a judge in a uh, national comp competition in organ improvisation that AGO mm -hmm. organizes uh, biannually. And um, I competed at one time. And, ah. uh, and you know, uh, the, he, he was a judge. And later, after the competition, uh, he submitted his answers to the to the competitors, his, his uh. advice, view, <laughs> and stuff like that comments basically so yeah. that's how i remember him uh, okay i hope he wrote something nice to you yeah he was and he he was quite a character but i must say that he was very he was of course brutally honest but he was one of the most honest musicians i've, I've ever met in my life there was uh, not an shred of insincerity in him when musical matters were concerned and of course he he expressed himself rather directly but uh the time that i i spent with him and studied with him i don't remember a single lesson or single day uh that there wouldn't have been wouldn't have been something that uh a, a new new track opening in or, or new thought or so, some some kind of re little revolution always uh, because you know I, I studied when I uh, studied at the Manhattan School of Music with him in 2008 uh, I had my first lesson with him already in 2007 
but um, when I started at the MSM, uh, I also uh, studied with him uh, or, uh, organ literature and choral repertoire. So it was yeah. a very, and of course, improvisation besides uh, uh, organ repertoire. So it was like a quite complete uh, uh, education from him, what, what he knew about the art of the organ playing. So I was very, I feel that I'm very, very privileged in a sense that, that uh, and especially the time before he fell really ill in his last uh, few years, I, uh, I feel that uh, it was like his, uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of other students think, uh, think probably think the same way from previous from earlier years, but I felt that he's like in his uh, all the years of his knowledge and everything. It's like in the peak moment that I got to, mm-hmm. got to golden know, age, golden age, yeah. And he was still able to play phenomenally mm-hmm. at the at the mm-hmm. organ. It was only the last few years that his illness really, really, uh, uh, he wasn't able to play anymore. But his brain until the end was uh, so sharp, and 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 his wit and uh, knowledge and everything stayed with him until the end and i actually uh, just a little bit more than a week uh, i had my last lesson with him he, uh, it was mainly composition and preparing for improvisation uh, uh, for the first time when i en- attended the uh, ago improvisa- national improvisation competition he was preparing me for that and i actually met him a little bit weak uh, about 9 days before he died and I was uh-huh. actually preparing for assignments, and he called, left a message for me that week he died. That when am I coming next time? And the next time I uh, called him, he was all. I heard that he's already in the hospital. So it's a very, very, very. Um, we had very, very close relationship in this sense, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm really grateful for him as uh, as a teacher and mentor. He was absolutely, absolutely uh, pivotal in my my development as a as a musician not only in, as an organist but in overall thinking about music and and, and as a what a musician is and and uh, it's so sad that he's gone it's a, an amazing personality mm-hmm. it's the same as jir hancock uh, uh, when he passed away right the great master jir hancock uh, of improvisation too. yeah um I think uh, students miss him a lot, but also, just like you, they continue their legacy, right? They're mm. living yeah. tradition to the next generation. Maybe you have yeah. now students who, who will look up to you, just like you looked mm. up to McNeil later, mm. uh, earlier, right? And uh, they will continue that tradition, yeah. right? And McNeil Robinson also continued uh, the great improvisation and composition tradition that he received from his masters, obviously. So it's a living, continuous, mm. non-stop tradition we transcend through ages and, and ages, probably into the next millennium, if, if we <laughs> survive as a species <laughs> that long. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And you know, the, the, uh, uh, of course, with, along with my notes and other things from, from uh, Professor Robinson, uh, one thing that I, uh, I'm very happy that I, and, and very lucky that I, I studied his sonata, the one that was uh, commissioned by the AGO for the Boston Conve- uh, National Convention 1990. I studied with him and played it in one of my doctoral recitals. And um, and uh, it's it's actually when I uh, th- uh, sort of think, what, what would he say or what would he think? And sometimes I just played that, his sonata. And or look at his other some of his other pieces, the, the Dismas variations, for instance, or other. Like, what would he think compositionally? What would he say? It's sort of uh, me keeping uh, keeping still uh, like a connection in terms of uh, what what he thought of of technique of of certain uh, of writing music and other things. So it's sort of mm-hmm. sort of like uh, I I can still have him around, you know, when I. Uh, in in this sense that I either listen mm-hmm. to his recordings or his playing or, or some of his interviews and uh, or play his music and mm-hmm. uh, that's not a very very important piece to me in, in that sense so it sort of keeps me uh, remembering and re- reminding of, oh what he would have said here and now I how I keep in good shape organistically mm-hmm. or, or or otherwise so. 
Kale, what you have said just yet is is so so wise and inspiring because organists who tend to improvise sometimes they forget that it's important to compose too, right? Absolutely. Leave yeah. something like a legacy to the future future generations, right? Like mm -hmm. Professor Robinson left the pieces for you and others mm -hmm. to play, and you remember him through his music, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so I think not only it's a great practice to write down ideas and develop ideas on yeah. paper or I don't know on computer now software, but mm -hmm. but it's also sort of legacy that we also continuing and bringing to the future as well we have to think about that deeply and carefully i think and absolutely you are you are very right and and you know if you go back in in time uh, uh, the books who the preludia are basically they are written out in tabulature of course at, at at the time but they are improvisations basically yeah and what wonderful pieces of music and i'm so glad that somebody uh, either themselves or or their students that they uh, co codified them. Otherwise, <laughs> we wouldn't have all these wonderful well, exactly. uh, uh, North German treasures. And and they would seem like a, like a masterpieces that nobody could really improvise that that uh, perfectly, right? Uh, this Hello? spontaneous. Yep. A spontaneous uh, counterpoint is so complex with Buxtehude and uh, it's virtuoso. Um, but now there are organists who can do this spontaneously, uh, mm -hmm. like uh, the great Zitze de Vries from the Netherlands. He mm -hmm. can improvise, yeah, yeah. you know, just like Buxtehude, just like Scheidemann, just like uh, other masters, Reinken perhaps too, and Bach, by the way, too, maybe. I, you know, Sister Vrietz, I, I actually heard him live. In uh, He did an uh, improvised chorale partita in Montreal uh -huh. 2011. Oh. It was absolutely phenomenal <laughs> it was, to witness it live. It's uh, quite, quite, a, quite a guy, quite a performer. Zitze is also very, very generous. He was my guest on this uh, Secrets of Organ Playing podcast right from the beginning i think it was like number four or something like oh, wow. i was just you nobody heard about this <laughs> series of conversations and he said yes when i he when i approached him and asked uh would you like to share your uh, thoughts on improvisation he said right away yes no no problem no, so fantastic yeah. Well, you started with the bang. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and Hans Ola Eriksson too said yes when he was in Vilnius and other great, great masters. So uh, there are people yeah. so generous, just like yourself, Kalle, too, uh, that, that you could have kept uh, your ideas secret, right? And uh, maybe mm -hmm. now you are a great master and nobody knows how you do it. It's uh, like magic, right? Uh, and everybody is envious of your skill and you know you never share with somebody but but no you you today what you did is so inspiring to people i i hope and will be inspiring uh, through decades because it's it's permanent it, it will stay online as long as as uh, we are online right so absolutely yeah it's my, my pleasure to to share these ideas and and uh, i think it's Improvisation, like composition or any other uh, discipline, I think it's a craft mm -hmm. that you can develop and cultivate. It, it's not some black magic or some <laughs> some um, um, uh, thing that sort of lands upon on your head and then you just do it. I think it's every every everybody uh, uh, who, who is able to connect two notes or three notes or to play music. Uh, can potentially improvise. It, it just depends how it will manifest itself, depending on your your surroundings, mm -hmm. your development, your influences, and uh, if you are. Well, I was very lucky that I was. I met such great musicians who inspired me and 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 taught me and and were uh, were. Uh, as you said, we're we're opening the treasure uh, trunk to mm -hmm. see the different different things. But I think it's 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 a craft. I, it's uh, that every everybody can uh, learn to their own personal 
however it manifests itself. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very happy to share my uh, my experience and my uh, what I know about it and what uh, you know, how I approach things. So it's a really great pleasure to share. <laughs> So, Kale, uh, you mentioned black magic, right? But I would say it's not even like uh, white magic. It's 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 uh, it's something very um, practical, uh, like um, exactly. You know the ja- jazz singer and improviser Bobby McFerrin. He, uh, I've heard interv- interview on uh, NPR with him, and he said some great ideas about improvisation. How he would. Uh, Uh, encourage people to start so that was very mm-hmm. also interesting for me uh, and he said take four notes any four notes that you want c d e f or c sharp e flat uh, g mm-hmm. g flat any sort of four mm-hmm. notes and use them in any way you want in any octave right using any organ yeah. stop that you want any rhythms yeah and uh, uh, set your timer for 10 minutes for 10 minutes mm-hmm. yeah. and start and do not stop until your timer uh, beeps right yeah and exactly. uh, do something interesting with those four notes that's it that's it mm-hmm. do something yeah. interesting and uh, that stuck with me this suggestion doing something interesting and using minimal of material for four exactly. notes or something. yeah And everybody can manage two or three or four notes, right, at a time. It doesn't have to be a four-part uh, organ symphony, just like you played uh, a couple of months ago or a week, a month ago, right? But uh, it can start very simply, and it's still absolutely fascinating and interesting. I I agree 100%. And actually here Stravinsky comes to play in, in what he said about uh, uh, limiting oneself in the material that the less material you have at hand the more creative you can you you can be and i think it's a very uh, good advice as, as you just described about about starting with uh, this uh, 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 four notes and and i think one of the most uh, important thing is is to get somebody to just To, to play without stopping or censoring or thinking this is not this is just to produce and no matter what comes there that there is no uh, somehow this um, uh, boldness to just go forward until a certain specific time time frame has mm-hmm. has been met so you go from this point to the to the point without without stop whatever happens between and I think that's that's very much the key. Mm-hmm. to everybody exactly. who, who wants to improvise. You could you could use, everybody knows uh, major or minor chord, right? Yeah. How about using just one chord, uh, uh, like a major chord, but in any key, mm-hmm. major, C major, yeah, D major, yeah. F sharp major, any sort of major chord. And listen, it's 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 so exotic and magical thinking and very modern out of those uh, those modern uh, major sounds it sounds like uh, sometimes like i've sometimes like stravinsky if you use uh, intricate rhythms it's it's nothing nothing boring about that right you just have to go for it and and do it just do it just like nike says Just do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And also, the, 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 then the, the next step perhaps would, would be to uh, do something and uh, repeat it. Oh, we are talking yeah. now about steps. The first step yeah. is what? Uh, to, to use minimal material, right? The second yeah. step is to repeat it. What do you yeah. mean by repetition? No, let's say that if you, if you do uh, uh, something... And then you do something else, and then you go back to that what you did that something in the beginning. Oh, so basically the famous a very ABA simple A B A sort of. Mm-hmm. And I think that if that is the, well, of course that's already a little bit further down the line. But even whatever that material is, whether it's chords or 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 or, or scales or or just few notes or in a certain rhythm, if that's repeated, uh, can be repeated after a certain certain point or doing something different i think that's already a great great beginning mm-hmm. for somebody and i actually i i've done that sometimes with uh, 
there are some uh, children who come to the organ for the very first time. And actually, this I did a very long time ago in, in Finland when I, there was like a group of kids who are 15 years old when they go to confirmation camp. You know, in Finland, a lot of kids, they do the... the, the, the the spent one or two weeks at the camp and then go through basic yeah. uh, basic things of the religion and then of course my my job was to introduce the organ so for the first time some people ever had tried the organ and they were very very excited so i said that do something and then repeat it a little bit later and actually some some people did it of course it's it's uh, was it so coherent but that was actually not 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 the point uh, the point was to just do something and then do it again uh, later. And I think that's that's uh, once you are able to do that, you are all, already long long way. Yes, you can devise the entire entire piece yeah. out of two ideas, which repeats yeah. themselves, right? Yeah. Alternate messy and use them all the time, right? Yeah, uh, two contrasting ideas. Exactly. Uh, it's it's so simple basically to have contrast between manuals and stops and use yeah. different modes or something and just start with one idea then go to the next idea and then come back to the first idea and alternate exactly. a little bit and you know whether one of the most important uh, uh, things also if you make a mistake or you think you make a mistake repeat it <laughs> oh. that's, yeah that's a, that's a and it actually sometimes i I uh, yeah, when I've have have gotten a theme and I accidentally played one <laughs> note in the wrong direction, so I thought, okay, I'm going to do it again, so people will think that it belongs there, and then later play the uh, use the theme as uh, correctly. So um, it, it's sometimes exciting that something that when you go off the road, it uh, sometimes can actually open up something entirely knew that it's uh, in well, we're talking of course about improvisation that that's something that can be really utilized and used mm -hmm. and then it be can become an organic part of the of the whole whole process so absolutely call yeah. great idea to repeat your mistakes and they will become intentional right yeah you exactly will, you will sort of incorporate them into your piece into your music yeah. i just remember a few weeks ago uh, osha my wife and, and i played mm. organ duet recital in in a small town in in the western part of lithuania and my our assistant friend was there to to help us turn the pages and and change registration mm -hmm. and uh, we played a varied program but at one point we played a, a cycle called Wave by contemporary Dutch composer Ad Vames mm -hmm. and for organ duet. And in one mm -hmm. point, uh, I was playing something incorrectly, like a melody with, I don't know, with one mistake, right? Mm -hmm. I just, a moment later, I repeated this phrase with exact mm -hmm. variation of that mistakes. And I looked at, yeah. at Oshra and my assistant friend. Uh, they all looked at each other, smiled, right? Because yeah. they understood what I'm doing right away. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Everything yeah. went just fine later. And after that, we talked about uh, the mis yeah. repeated mistakes, how, how actually the natural are becoming, yeah. how clever actually it was to repeat it. Not to yeah, yeah. freak out about it, not to panic. Yeah, and stop yeah. playing like like it it would be possible to do, but yeah, yeah. but just keep going with some repetition and and uh, some creativity about exactly. it. Yeah, 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 fantastic. So, Kale, you are so generous today. Uh, could you share the last uh, the last uh, idea with our organ community from eighty nine countries, which would be this? Um, if you if you had a chance to go back in time when you first started improvising in back in 2000 i was i guess five six seven right in mm -hmm. in, in Finnish churches um mm -hmm. would you do something differently because you now know so much or would you repeat all everything that you did uh in all honesty i i i would do everything probably the same uh, in in the, the the process, I uh, of course I would go and and practice harder and more focused and you know this kind of thing. But uh, the actual process, I I I don't think what I could have done 
too much differently to to be even even more uh-huh. given the, the time that I had at hand uh, in, to do study everything and and, and do look, play concerts and all, all these kinds of things so i'm i i would in all honesty i wouldn't change mm-hmm. great that the, the the path has been very very satisfying in in, in this sense mm-hmm. so you have no regrets uh, no 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 regrets in terms of uh this i mean as i said the the always more composing more doing certain exercises uh, to this and that but given the time that i that i've had and that that i'm i wouldn't change mm-hmm. so call it to live a life without regrets this is the best way we could hope for right indeed and i i i i'm very happy to say that i'm uh, uh, very happy where i uh, am now in my uh, in my life in musical development and personal mm-hmm. uh, development and i wouldn't wouldn't want to change or wouldn't want to wish for an alternate alternative uh, uh, what would it, what it would have been or or something that i'm actually very 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 happy right now and uh, so what's next for you to... what's next for you Kale? what are you working currently on uh, uh, this year Ah well, this year I'm uh, of course the, the the competition will be next year the final in uh, of the American Guild of Organists national competition organ improvisation. It will be in Kansas City in conjunction with the national convention there. In uh, I think I believe it's July, early July, twenty eighteen. Mm-hmm. And then I'm also I'm I'm working. Uh, I, I did my doctoral dissertation on transcribing Vivaldi's concertos, uh, and I'm hoping to. I actually performed one of my transcriptions. Uh, Vivaldi uh, concertos. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and that was very, wow. very exciting. And I'm I have three concertos that I just transcribed for my uh, dissertation, um, and um, I'm working on to making them a little bit better, better, and, and hof- hopefully. Uh, Uh, next year or sometime after I'm trying to get them published so that's mm-hmm. one of my big projects and of course I'm looking forward to perform the other two concertos um, and uh, preparing new uh, recital programs and uh, uh, hopefully we'll have time to compose more now after my finished my doc- doctoral studies it's something that I would want to Uh, focus a little bit more on in the future, but uh, uh, pretty much the same that I've been uh, doing. Also, playing a lot of piano. It's a steady upward path, right? Yes, uh, I, I I hope to think so, <laughs> and uh, I'm very much looking forward to all the exciting new projects and uh, uh, new things which will come come along the path. Wonderful, Kale. So now people are very eager to get to know you even better and listen to your work, maybe uh, your your improvisations and other performances. So could you share with our listeners the link of your website or somebody, some other place online that, that people could uh, find out more about you and your work? Sure. Um, my website, which I'm uh, hoping to update very, very soon, obviously, it's a little bit behind, but uh, I'm, uh, it, it is my first name, last name, dot com, which is www.kalletoivio.com. So that is www.kalletoivio.com. Dot com Wonderful. and also on Facebook uh, most of my uh, other things are uh, the concerts and other I, I have public profile for that so that's and I'm hoping to start my own f- Facebook page also for for music uh, Wonderful so uh, send me send me when you're ready with your new YouTube, YouTube also okay yeah. YouTube with your own name right yeah. Kalle Toivio Yeah, with my yeah, there's, with that you can find something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I hope to put something more later in the future. 
I'll make sure to include the links to your website, Facebook, and YouTube into the description of this conversation so that people could literally click and visit you and your work online and say hello to you, say thanks uh, perhaps for our conversation, inspire other conversations. So thank you so much, Kale. You're well, so thank generous. You, Great time. pleasure. And, and very generous. Thank you so much and keep doing, uh, keep sharing, uh, and I hope you will, doing, you will be doing this for a long, long time. No, I certainly hope so, and I really appreciate this conversation. It was very refreshing and very inspiring to me also. So thank you very much. A great honor. Thank you. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog, Secrets of Organ Playing, at organduo.lt, where you will find lots of insights, practical advice, and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vida Spinkavitus. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you online really soon.